Welcome to Tavern Talk. Hey everybody, it's Matt from the Pathless Podcast. Um, you know, it's just a typical Sunday afternoon, and since we're not playing D&D, I just felt like making an, an homage D&D experience for one of my favorite game series, Dot Hack Sign. Um, you know, this is, uh, it was similar to the newer adaptation of, like, the anime slash, like, game series, uh, Sword Art Online, um, some anime such as, like, Konosuba, Grimgar, uh, Fantasy and Ash. I think another one is, is it okay to pick up girls in dungeon? And um, I'm sure there's plenty of them that I just don't know about. If people are, if they know what uh, Sword Art Online or SAO is, um, like for those listeners who may better know that because it's kind of been more recent, um, Dot Hack has a general town system with a warp gate uh, that leads to dangerous areas. And because of this feature, a like a hard world building structure that this world must have is a warp uh, gate feature. Um, and you know, like to me, I'm doing all this because like, I want to make a D and D experience that my friends who may not, uh, watch SAO or play dot hack or, you know, watch all the animes that I do. It's a really cool concept that I think that you know, a typical D&D, you know, Neverwinter kind of uh, scenario wouldn't have. There's no warp gates. There's just castles and you go out in the fields and you do your thing. Um, but with this warp gate feature, uh, you know, that makes three things to me in this world. Um, that there's limited but designated towns that have these warp gates. So, like, there's only so many towns that, like, humans will inhabit or, like, any of your creatures might inhabit. Um, there are limited and designated access to dungeons, so, like, there's only one warp gate in a town, so the, you know, people come and go as they please, but it's limited. So, there would be town guards posted around, you know? Uh, travel to and from an area is relatively quick. There's no three-week progression of, I have to get to this mountain range, and it's going to take, like, a caravan to get there, it's going to take... Three works worth of water, uh, you know, any kind of like outfits. Like you don't have to like worry about like that kind of stuff. You're just gonna go right to there. Um, you know, maybe now if you're going to a mountain range or like you know high up and you know it's gonna be cold, you'd be able to prepare for that by wearing cold gear when you travel and uh, the in the warp gate. So you know, it makes it nice so you're not having to travel through deserts and marshes and all that stuff there's no like force march kind of system in this world uh at least that's how it was in the game and if this is a true uh, homage to it i'm gonna say i think that that's what those things mean to me um but you know it also brings a couple questions to the party you know how far from a dungeon is the town warp gonna send them if they're going to the top of a mountain is it gonna drop them off the base of the mountain is it gonna drop them off 100 feet from the entrance of the dungeon you know, just things of that nature. Uh, how can they escape a dungeon quickly? And is there a system to do so? Now, in the game, and in a lot of the game type of, like, animes, there are, uh, like, you know, fast warp systems to get out of a dungeon. Uh, you can warp back to town quickly and easily. Like, I don't think you should be warped to a dungeon and not be able to warp back. You know, but these are all things that you're going to have to think about when you're you know, playing that, like, you know, when you're deciding to build that structure. Uh, are these warp gates monitored by a centralized government? Is it a mage council? Are there guilds that control it? So, I mean, those gates have to be monitored because, you know, that's the only entrance to and from the city. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of political power that's going about it. Um, 
So when, when we ask those kind of questions, you know, we're kind of thinking like these are the questions that are going to focus on the world. Based off that warp gate, everything else is going to be building around these warp gates because that's a very specific thing that you don't find. If you, if you think Dungeons & Dragons, if I went to go back to England or like Germany or, um, you know, the Ottoman Empire, there's no warp like town dungeons or anything like that. It's, there's no like warp gate in a town. So you could just walk in and out of the town, no big deal. There are government structures back then. Sometimes, like, the governments fight each other, yada, yada. But if there was a warp gate getting to and from places, it would be a whole completely different societal structure. So you have to answer a lot of these things, you know, when you're you're talking about, like, the function of your world, you're building this world. So to answer all those questions for me, the easiest way is to kind of think of a scenario. Um, So for, for me, I think that the party is going to be a group of adventurers. You know, every individual player is going to have their character to bring to the table. Um, but I think they're all going to be joining this guild called Death Row. Uh, now, Death Row is an old uh, guild name that I used to be a part of like years and years ago when I used to play MMOs. Um, but, you know, I thought, like, hey, let, let's just, you know, bring this to my group because I'm the DM, so I, this is what I want to do. Um, but with a name like Death Row, like, you know, I'm thinking maybe the guild should have a story behind it, uh, such as the founders of being like Suicide Squad, you know, ask uh, people who are prisoners. Um, who were sent on, like, daring missions with low rates of survival. Um, things have calmed down. Like, so this is a very old and, like, you know, it's an old guild with a lot of history. Uh, things have calmed down, and uh, now the guild is open to, like, different types of people. It's not just prisoners. So uh, there's a lot less, like, brutish people. There's not, like, as many, like, uh, you know, old, like, maybe, like, the older gentlemen might be, like, prisoners and, like, ex-prisoners and, like, you know, warriors of that nature. But, you yeah, know, maybe the younger people... Uh, they aren't like that. You know, some of the newer guild members, like, they're just, they're here because it's an old guild with a lot of history. There's a lot of riches, a lot of risk and reward. And I think that that, I think that, like, the the life of the guild is that people take a lot of risk. People are, like, you know, they're fighting to be stronger, but they know that there's a lot of reward going to be part of this guild. So, like, you know, they're not there just to be, like, Ho hum! I get to like eat dinner and go home. They're there because they're like, I think there's a lot of stuff that's really cool that this guild is a part of, and I can be a part of. So like, you know, you can kind of like entice your players to say like, look, this guild, this isn't just a nine to five job. This is like you are going to live the dream, and you can be rich beyond wildest dreams. But you will also be fighting strong monsters and dealing with like crazy stuff. And if you want to be a part of that, if that sounds exciting to you, we're the place to be. Um, so. With uh, so with this, like, so this these new group of guildmates, um, the guild gets orders from the council about disturbances in a particular dungeon. Um, I think that you know it being quarantined access by the council guard, which would give us like a political, a police force and a political hierarchy, uh, in the game. Um, you know that the council gives your guild in- info on where to go. And their city guard are the ones that are protecting everything. So, you know, there's a police force. You know that there is, like, a council as a government that kind of runs everything. So, Death Row being a long-standing, high-risk, high-reward guild, uh, we get notified to scout any potential issues. Like, there's something going on here. We need you guys to scout it. Something could be dangerous. We don't want to send our guards. You know, we want to send you. And... You know, the guild leader says, you guys are new, this isn't supposed to be like a battle thing, but there may be some fighting ensuing. I, as everything else, it's, just, you know, it's a risky to do any kind of job for the council. But 
it's not going to be heavy battling, so we're not going to send our seasoned fighters. We think this would be a good way to kind of get your feet wet and get you to understand what our guild's about. So, you know, you guys are going to do it, whether the party does want to or not. I think the party will. I mean, you know, your players want to play the game, so they're going to want to say, okay, what's this all about? And with uh, the particular words given by the council, uh, the party now has access to the field and dungeon. So with that information to the players, they need to learn these specific words to, and dungeon names before being able to travel while in town. So you kind of let them know, hey, diplomacy and speaking to townspeople is almost like a forced interaction uh, with the party so they can progress in knowing where to go. They can't go anywhere if they don't talk to anybody. Um, it kind of, you know, forces the party to interact with townspeople to be diplomatic. They can, you know, they can be mean too, but they have to, they have to have some kind of relationship with the NPCs around instead of just like, I go to the town and I look at the town board and I just wander off and I kill a boar. You know, you, you can't just do that. You can't just kill information out of people. You can threaten people. Sure. You can talk to people. You can talk to various people in the town that you can provide. But you're going to let the party know that they can't access places without this information. So information on traveling to places is very important in your world uh, because of these warp gates. So now that the party's going to go to the dungeon, they're going to prepare for that any way they want to. They, they're probably already prepared knowing that they made their characters this way. And investing in the dungeon will give the party for a taste of how long a dungeon is going to take. Uh, any amount of monsters and encounters, how many rests and short rests that they will have, and what to expect with, you know, how far their spawn points from the, the time warp gate to where the dungeon may be. So you might have a big field, you know, the size of two football fields between them and the dungeon, and they might have, like, you know, they might fight some, like, foxes, or they might, like, see, like, dead bodies from like a fight before knowing that like oh these are like some of the weird things that we might report back on you can you can turn it into whatever you want and with like the rest and short rest it makes it easy to say okay you can have a short rest like in this dungeon but you can't just you know like you can't just um like sleep in this dungeon like it doesn't work like that or your party can say like, hey, we want to sleep in the dungeon, and you can say, okay, fine, but there are wandering, like, you know, roves of monsters and things of that nature. Like, you might kill the dungeon, but, the like, you're, go you're traveling to places where, like, there are tons of enemies, and, like, towns are the only places that are kind of protected from them. So, if they want to do that, then they can set up watches and everything, but they can also travel back to town and rest in their the guild hall or their homes, wherever, you know, you want to set this up. So, you can kind of change the way that you want it to be to fit with Dungeons & Dragons and the rest and the actual game mechanics. So, because video games and animes are very different than Dungeons & Dragons, video games and animes have their own setup with worlds and recovery Whereas Dungeons Dragons has its own like recovery system, has its own like spells, arrests, and everything like that. It's all very like time based. So you as a DM can kind of finagle how you want to do it, how much of like a game aspect or how much of like a, just a strict Dungeons Dragons aspect you want it to be. You can kind of play with that. So with that information, you give the party uh, the information at the end of the dungeon to report back and let them return with whatever expedited method that you choose. Uh, this is this goes back to like how are they supposed to get out of the dungeon? 
you might give them like, okay, so the, the party leader might have like a specific thing that lets them warp everybody out, you know? Um, everybody might have like a scroll of like return, like which is a, normally in a game, uh, like a warp scroll might cost, you know, 500,000, like 5,000 gold or whatever. But in this world, warp gate is just, it's a quick and easy method of transportation that everyone uses. So it should cost you like a silver each. It shouldn't cost you a lot. It should be a very like easy thing to do. It's like getting dinner. Um, and... We want to plan on future encounters that, like, the party is going to be trapped, maybe not able to use that kind of stuff. Um, so the first dungeon that you have and the first encounter that you have with everybody, you want them to be able to leave on their own volition, leave properly without anything weird going on. That way then they don't think that the DM's being difficult. Um, there's not, there's very few things that are worse for a player other than, like, bad rolls uh, than when you're trying to do something the DM's like, no. Oh yeah, uh, you know how I said that like all this is gonna happen? No, that's it's just not working. I don't know why. And like you're kind of feeling like okay, I was provided information immediately before this on this world on how things should work, and now you're turning on its side within the first encounter. Like I haven't had it go right yet, so a player can get really frustrated at that. And the DM, you know, you don't want to fight with the players; you want to make it more enjoyable. So you're going to say, okay, like, you know, everything goes as planned, nothing weird happens. The player's going to feel like the sense of like, okay, cool, everything's fine. Some players might be like, ah, oh, that's a little strange, like, everything's is okay, there's nothing wrong. And, you know, you can kind of lure some people into a sense of, like, disbelief. Some people might think like, oh, this is too easy. You know, and it's really cool to see the players interact that way. But if you make everything difficult, then the player's going to treat everything with skepticism and they're not going to move and progress the way you kind of want them to. They're going to try to figure out what you're doing and what you're thinking about and how you're playing the game rather than just playing the game and enjoying it. So I think that, you know, having to be able to warp back to town without any issues is the best way to start this whole thing. Um, so with that being the first encounter, we have a political, uh, group, uh, like a political structure, a group structure, like with your party, they're going to like kind of learn a little bit about each other, uh, how dungeons work, information gathering in the town and outside of town, like in the dungeon and a quest structure set out for players, like how they get their quests. Uh, I like to personally have a person or a few people kind of like give the quest to players. It lets them understand okay, like, you know, this is where I'm going to get my information. I, I can learn a little bit about it. It's not just like a, uh, it's not just like, oh, I went up and I, I heard a boy waving about the newspaper about like, oh, there's a, there's a frog monster in this dungeon. Like, you know, come clear out the frog monster. So to some people, like, that is awesome. Like, that is like, oh, I get to like, you know, get my information from like this little news, like this little kid selling newspapers. We're going to go fight this, like, on, like based on this hunch. Or, like, you know, I personally like having, like, some kind of, and, like, and some people just, like, wandering around doing their own thing. I like having, like, a structure of, okay, here's this person giving me information. And when that person doesn't give me information or when they say, like, okay, you know, I'm your, I'm your boss, essentially, and I don't really have anything for you right now. And you do hear something with, like, the newspaper kid. You're like, oh, this can kind of kill some time. And something fun might happen. Like, it might be a cool side quest on the meantime. Um, it might be like, okay, like this frog might have something to do with like the, you know, something else your guildmaster might, might want to know about, or 
you know, like you can kind of like mix it up as much as you want to and kind of like have like your little flair with it. So, um, with the story progression, uh, so that, like, so that, that kind of wraps up off my ideas before with like how like the world's kind of set up. Um, so in the story progression in Dot Hack, uh, the characters found an item that allowed them to rewrite the game and the enemies they encountered had a virus since it was a computer game. Um, I don't really want this world to be a video game, uh, so the players won't get any items or scenarios like that. I don't want this to be, like, uh, you're trapped in a game. Like, I want this to be, like, this is just how the world is. But it's an homage to a game system that I like and kind of, like, a lot of things that people know about where, you know, it's, like, characters are trapped in, like, this video game world and, like, sometimes they do know it's a video game world, sometimes they don't. But it all has, like, this kind of, like, RPG-ish factor to it. And I want your party to understand that, like, it's a game, you know, but, like, this isn't just, like, a typical, like, I'm in a computer game. So, like, there's no viruses, there's no, like, you're the special character that got this special item that no one else has. You know, D&D is not meant to be like that. D&D is very much just, like, everyone has, like, the same opportunities and you are becoming, you know, amazing on your own right. Um, So, instead of, like, having, like, these, like viruses like computer game things i want uh my party to learn about like dark guilds like in fairy tale how there's like good guilds and bad guilds um enemy armies and magically enhanced soldiers um so for the first mission on the recon information the party might get that uh you know the one of the dark guilds could be research like you know they could be looking at dead bodies that are left behind from like when they're going in they see a dead body. It could be like an animal body. It could be a person body, like a city guard body. And, you know, uh, the city guard, if they're supposed to be like really ripped and like, you know, super muscled out and everything, they shouldn't die so easily. So when they investigate these bodies, they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't really mess with these guys. Because if they can kill like town guardsmen who have like, you know, certain types of like weapons, like gears or training, I don't think we should fight them right now. Like maybe we should just see what's going on. And, you know, they might notice that, like, magic, you know, festers, like, the animal's wounds, like, the human's wounds, and, like, a proper knowledge, nature, or investigate check. That could kind of determine, like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? And you can kind of give them hints to the DM based off skill checks, seeing their environment. And, you know, when the party, like, as they continue, they can maybe see or overhear two figures describing a partnership between, like, two of the groups. Like, it's Dark Guilds, uh, an army. And like you know, maybe like the guard, maybe the guild is like enhancing, uh, magically like enhancing some of these army members, or they're providing like muscle, you know. So they can like over oversee this. Like those people warp out, and then they're there, they're left to like kind of like him. Hey, what's going on here? Let's go report this. And then they can you know go report to their guild master or the town guard, whoever they decide to talk to, and that person can give them more information accordingly. And that's how you kind of start your main storyline quest where you say okay like you guys are in charge of finding out like whoa now you found this information out you know i need you to hit like one of these lower level uh research facilities you know like oh we heard like there's a gathering of like some of these people you guys are so good at tailing them and not getting caught we want you to go in there and like see what you can find out if you can wipe it out you can wipe it out and like you know again that's the scenario you're gonna have the second one uh that's like the second like encounter you're gonna have um so, like, for impromptu scenarios, though, because, you know, players, they, they might want different things, and DMs are very different, too. It's so like, 
if this was like a one or two shot, you play it way differently than if it was a whole campaign. And, you know, this type of world, I like I liked the way to set this up uh, with like the town, and like the work gate and everything, because it allows party to find out optional quests or additional non-story related areas. Um, you know, so when the DM feels like, hey, I want this to be like a sandboxy, you can talk to five different people, get five different like warp gate areas. Um, but you could also be a DM that's like, you're getting one warp gate and you have searched two days to figure out the next place to go to. And that's how scarce information is. So you're going here and like, you're kind of railroading them into that. But it also is, I mean, it builds the world. Like there are some, like there are some places in, uh, in like the actual world where you can't get information and information is power, you know? Um, you might have one path that you can go to because a mountain might not have 16 ways to get over it. There might be just one way to go through. And like, you know, if there's a big tunnel in the mountain and you have to go from one side to the other, you have to go through that tunnel and you have to figure out how to get through that tunnel. Um, but you know, then there are some, there are some places like where it's just a flat open savanna and there could be six roads going through there and you get to pick which road you want to go to. So there are different DMs, different players and you know, you have to respect that there is a balance between that open sandbox feeling and the railroad feeling. And, um, you know, having like a town warp gate where information drives where you can go. You as a DM can say, okay, you know what, today you guys are getting like this special location that it's only going to be open for like a little bit. Um, and then these words won't work anymore. So you have to pick, are you going to take care of like this scenario or take care of this scenario? And, you know, players like will players will appreciate the fact that they have two options and they might say, well, if this one I can do later, but I can't do this one later, I want to do this. Or they might say, you know what, we are so focused on this story, we are going for this and it doesn't care, it doesn't matter if like, you know, this side story where like we might have to save a child, like children die, it happens. And then we want to take care of this bigger issue. Like there's an army, tons of kids could die. Like, parties feel that way, and it's really cool to kind of, like, have, like, people make those moral decisions, make, um, you know, like, their character decisions, too. So, you know, you can kind of give, you can kind of give and take both with this kind of world. And, um, you know, it also gives people a sense of, like, battle time when they're inside the town and when they're outside the town. Um, inside the town, you know, like, in, in the game and in the anime... Uh, all of these, like, you know, like the SAO like, and the hack, you couldn't attack players in the town. There was just, like, it's a game. So you're not allowed to, like, PK, like, player kill each other. But, you know, this isn't a game. But I want players to feel comfortable. Like, there's town guardsmen everywhere. Like, from, like, the council guardmen. And these guys are pretty jacked up. Like, you shouldn't feel like you should be able to go around killing town's guardsmen until, like, you know, level 6 or 7, maybe. I guess, like, in a 20-level character progression. You should be able to beat up guardsmen until, you know, like, until you're level 10 plus because there's a ton of guardsmen and they can just overwhelm you in numbers at the end of the day. But, you know, characters might build, like, people as a player, if I knew this about the world, I might build a character where, like, Chogger and Pumpkin Spice, um, you know, he had a ton of, like, uh, personality skills that you know, magic and stuff like that, that, like, we didn't really see very much because we kept fighting on the front lines and I ended up being, like, more of, like, a healer-type character, a witch doctor, almost. It was really cool that, like, I started focusing on that progression. But, like, if I was uh, to be a bard, 
I would be really pissed off if I said if my DM said, "Okay, you can you're gonna be talking to a lot of people. Information is power. Going like from here to here, you're going to be the avenue that is going to gather this information." And I'd be kind of pissed off if I made a bard and then I made all these like choices to like do like all this talky talk and prepared all of these spells and everything to talk in town. And then all of a sudden, like everyone's like, "Okay, now we're going out to fight this like thing constantly." And I always feel like I have to be in, you know, or like I'm a soldier. Um, you know, if I was a, if I was paladin, paladins are very charismatic and they can diplomatize anything. You know, they're very lawful. But they don't have to necessarily walk around in full plate armor, you know, in town. Like in the medieval times, like, you know, in England and, and uh, you know, the European countries, because that's what I'm kind of familiar with. Guys didn't wear full plate armor. When they went down to the pub, like they were, they wore full plate armor when they were going out to battle, or like if they were standing on patrol. They didn't like you know hang out at home like oh hey honey I'm gonna lift up like you know this this hundred fifty pound metal suit, kick back on you know my couch and relax like it doesn't work like that. So it's cool to give players like uh, when I'm in town I don't have to worry about dressing like you know my teeth and armor. I might wear nobility clothes. I might wear like you know different clothing that helps me fit into different. Uh, areas rather than just wear like the typical adventurer's garb because everyone's gonna know oh you're an adventurer but there might be days where you know you want to dress up nicely to go to like a nice party and you will find out information wearing that nice party without worrying about oh god I don't have my I don't have my sword on me I don't have this on me well you know no one does because it's a party in a town that people don't really attack each other with because there's guards now you might have you know one person be the person, like, you know, dressed to the nines, and then you might have, like, the rest of the party, like, patrol around. Like, that's a decision that your party can make, and, like, you know, you as a DM can kind of, like, say, hey, you know, you guys are scoping out this area, you're protecting this person, you know, whatever you might want to do. Like, th- these are all, like, scenarios you want to do, but as a basis, I like to say, okay, in town, there's no player killing. And, you know, when you do it, it's rare. So it makes it an event rather than it just being like, okay, everyone's dressed up, you know, with their sword and everything like that. Like, you know, all the monks have to have stabs around so it doesn't look like anything's bad. You know, just whatever kind of, like, things that you want to do. So these are just some, like, ground rules for me making my dot .hack homage world. Um, having, like, the town, uh, the town warps kind of like building like my character like you know like my world progression and knowing that like there might be two towns that the party goes to consistently or like even one town where like, the party just lives and like they have to travel to another town as like you know like the capital town kind of deal you know what i mean and it will be a little bit more entertaining for the party to feel like they have a home Instead of being, like, the murder machine uh, that just kind of, like, wanders around. Like, in, in a lot of our campaigns that you might hear with Pumpkin Spice and Lightlessness, the characters do wander around. But Lightlessness, we have, like, three places that the characters call home. Like, because the characters do come from, like, different areas, we keep wandering in the same country. It's really cool going to the same place twice. And even in Pumpkin Spice, we have, you know, Lean and... We've come back here, and it was a, it was almost a completely different party that was here the first time. So the characters don't really think of it as home, except for maybe uh, Taura and Gordon Black. Um, so like you know, it, it's it's cool to see, it's cool to have that sense of home with lightnessness, which was like the whole basis of that. And I want people to feel like this town is their home, 
And when they go out to a dungeon, they it's a completely different mindset going out to a dungeon than it is coming back to home and like maybe to like the Capitol building and talking to like the council or like council representative or guild representatives, you know? Um, but these are just some ideas that like I want I want everyone to understand like when they want to be DMs, when maybe they want to have their friends be a DM, you know, and kind of say, hey, you know, I want to play a game that's that's like this. You know, I love Final Fantasy. Uh, people might like Kingdom Hearts. Um, they might, you know, I'm trying to think of like other like RPG elements like with Zelda, I guess. I've never played it, so I don't really know how good of like a D&D like crossover it could be. But if you can think this is a concept, this is a book, this is a movie that I like. Uh, Reed and I have discussed how to turn Halloween into a, into a, like a theme dungeon. And... You know, world building is really fun for me. I think for a lot of players and would-be DMs, world building is almost as fun as character building. Character building, it's like you're, you're building yourself in this world. But as a DM, you're not only building just like these individual characters, you're building this higher, you're building the entire world. And it's really cool when you're playing a game um, or you're reading a book or you're watching a show and you think, man, I want to tell a story in this world. I want to turn this world into my world. Um, just focus on like one or two aspects that make your world different than just like a typical D&D and just run with it, you know? Um, but otherwise, I mean, thank you very much everybody for listening. Hopefully I wasn't rambling too, too long. I just wanted to make this like a short little, you know, Sunday afternoon world building experience. And if you like it, please leave a... You know, comment on iTunes. Uh, we love to have some ratings. If you want to go on our Facebook page at Pathless Podcast, I'm I am always checking there, like you know, for people to say hello, drop some information, or if you just send us an email um, on the website or like drop like a link on the website, we love to talk to everybody. And you know, I know not a lot of people talk very much uh, to us. But we love to have um, interaction with all of you, the listeners, because really we like doing this for you. We like getting the message of D&D for everybody, and we really love recording everything. And it's just it's tough doing that all the time. Like we love playing, but we love it knowing that you guys listen. It really does mean a lot to us when you know you guys take our dungeons, when you take our our character builds, and you kind of like take them to heart and use them the way you want to. It really spreads the message of what Dungeons & Dragons is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a very social thing. And, you know, people think, oh, it's just it's just four guys or five guys or a couple guys and gals sitting down playing at a table being weird, like, you know, ignoring everybody. But really, it's, it's really cool because you're seeing your friends and or, you know, you might be on uh, Roll20 or any other kind of like online thing. But you're playing this game with people, and it takes a significant amount of time, and it really does it really does build a lot of uh, builds a lot of friendships and a lot of good relationships between people. So I feel like I'm in a relationship with all the listeners. Um, it's an open relationship, obviously, but uh, I really do appreciate it. And if you guys want to, like I said, leave any comments. Let me know if you think that this is fun. If you think that like world building isn't fun to you. Or if you'd even like to play in this kind of world. Um, or if you want me to make like an actual encounter so you guys can try it out. Let me know. And anything else, just you know, give me a holler. Or just be quiet. It's all good. 
Again, this is Matt from Passes Podcast. Everybody have a great time. Bye.